0: in the morning. Boris Karloff stars as the screen's most memorable monster in what many consider to be the greatest horror film ever made. Dr. Frankenstein dares to tamper with life and death by creating a human monster out of lifeless body parts. Its director, James Whale's adaptation of the Mary Shelley novel blended with Karloff's compassionate portrayal of a creature groping for identity that makes Frankenstein a masterpiece not only of the genre, but for all time. I'm Corey. And I'm Paul. And we are the, the B-Movie Movie Bros. Here are B-Movies to the best of our ability. Sometimes we get off topic, but randomness is a gift. And uh, here we are on a special edition um, for, what is it, uh, Universal Classic Monster Movies Month um, with our friends over at, Let's see, we had
1: Black Cat Shadow, who reviewed The Wolfman, uh, Terrible Terror Podcast, who reviewed Creature from the Black Lagoon, Paranormal Pativity Podcast, the who reviewed The Mummy. Back in Time podcast reviewed Dracula, Creature Feature podcast, which reviewed The Invisible Man, and uh, Dave's Pop Culture podcast,
0: who reviewed Phantom of the Opera. And if you couldn't tell by the uh, description on the Legacy Collection version of this DVD, we are reviewing the 1931 version of Frankenstein. Hell yeah, the king of the Universal Monsters. So. Enough. Let's dive right into this shit with our technical difficulties, top and bottom three. Let's start out with the bottom first, Paul. How about it? All right. Oh, he's for me. Number three. You know, there are some things that just don't make sense about this, you know, body part thievery scheme of uh, Dr. Frankenstein, such as if a brain is useless because the neck is broken, how is it useful when it comes from a fucking jar and isn't attached to anything? Like, Seriously.
1: Because it's possible that we're all just brains in jars in the Matrix or something,
0: so therefore science. I mean, it, funny thing, because they do, like, actually mention the Matrix in this movie. So you know, this movie uh, told the future <laughs> ahead of its time. Number two, spoiler one. alert: the end is very anticlimactic. You know, if it would have ended with just the monster being burned alive in in the windmill that would be one thing but no it goes on for another five minutes and ends with baron frankenstein drinking wine like it's just plain droll come on guys i mean i'm fine with drinking and all that but it didn't really work well it was was also he was he was stealing his son's wine they were like oh your son should have this wine because he's injured no no he shouldn't have that wine i'm going to drink it Like, what the hell? He can't handle his wine. Last time he created a monster. Cock-blocking his son's wine (laughs) cravings. Number one. The awkward cut where they removed the scene of Maria accidentally being killed by the monster. Now, I understand when this movie was originally shown to its test audience that they found that scene too cruel, too violent, whatever, and it was removed. And unfortunately, to my knowledge, it has been lost to time. Um hopefully someday to resurface in some Guatemalan college's film archives. Um, But as of right now, to my knowledge, it doesn't exist anymore. And uh, if I didn't know that that scene was supposed to be there, I would just think it's, you know, an editing error. But I just feel like so much is missed from that little scene being cut out, you know, of why the monster is, like, all terrified and everything else running away. Um, I just think it would add so much more dynamic to the movie. Even though the movie is full of so much dynamic,
1: I've. Well, one day when Disney takes over Universal, I'm sure they'll randomly find it. So no,
0: they'll, they'll have what is it, Tom Cruise drowning a young child in a lake in the in in the their Frankenstein remake.
1: <laughs> You'll see Frankenstein with like Mickey Mouse ears. Oh, ho, I drowned a little girl. Oh wait! What's, now, now we're going to get sued by what's, Disney. What's your What's your bottom three, Paul? All right. So number three, Henry Frankenstein. Who the hell is Henry Frankenstein? I knew Victor von Frankenstein was, but what What is this Henry Frankenstein? And Igor's name is Fritz. Like it's it's
0: it's the Universal Ultraverse. You uh, know, you, you had you had the novel verse which is like the actual novelizations, and now you have the universal, you know, movie-verse of the 1930s and through the 50s, you know?
1: But Henry and Fritz, like, that just... I, I don't recognize this reality anymore. I mean, I, I think we're in the... It's because we entered the Bear stain universe. This may as well be the Frankenstein-like universe. <laughs> like, I, 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 don't, I don't even know what's going on anymore. Number two this movie is not a faithful adaptation of the book which really isn't a problem considering how co- iconic the film's depiction of frankenstein and frankenstein's monster have become however if you're looking for like and for an accurate adaptation you're looking in the wrong place and number one i agree with you th- about the ending of the film i it should have ended at the windmill scene but They just had to end it with the wedding and the scene with um, uh, Frankenstein's dad. And it just seemed unnecessary. And it kind of took away from the confrontation between Dr. Frankenstein and his monster. Personally, I kind of thought they both should have died in that. But um, I think that would have been the perfect ending. But they, I don't know, had to end it on a light note, I guess. And
0: I guess, yeah, for 1930s Hollywood, it was one of those things where, you know, it it has to be... You know, lighthearted at the end, so they have to show that the uh, the hero per se survived. You know, he's he's not dead, so you yeah. know I can understand how they did it, but at the same time, I wish it would have just kind of cut out there.
1: Yeah, I think it would have been perfect if they had like both monster and creator dying in the same um, in the same uh, battle. That would have been that would have been more fitting. But yeah, I I see where they were, why they probably had to do it that way. So uh,
0: on to the top. What was the best parts of this movie? Um, for me, number three, this movie shows how to form and deploy an angry mob with great proficiency, which has now become the basis for all angry mobs around the world. You know, torches, pitchforks, and the like, shouting out, you know, where to go and what to do. And you know what? It's actually a pretty awesome scene. It's like a how-to for, like, starting an angry mob. I mean, that's why I keep a pitchfork next to the back door. I keep a torch, um, by the, um, in the garage. Number two. The monster has a surprising range of emotion, which Boris Karloff is able to portray even through his thick makeup in the absence of, you know, words, with a very stunning capability. It really goes to show, you know, how great of an actor Boris Karloff is and how, unfortunately, he was kind of pigeonholed into, like, a monster and mad scientist role after starring in this movie. You know, you don't see him in much anything else, you know, after this. And number one... The story's well-written, acted, filmed, and, you know, just overall, this film is done in a very, very rounded way. Like, everything seems to work out, and it's really hard to pick out any kind of flaws. Like, it is kind of like the perfect movie from the era.
1: Yeah, there are a few things, like, glaringly wrong with the film. It's very well made. But, um, number three, Boris Karlov's portrayal of Frankenstein's monster was incredible. He managed to simultaneously depict a horrific, unholy monster and an innocent, kind of playful child in which seemed really natural and it didn't seem to conflict. Neither personality like seemed off or conflicted with the other one. It just seemed like a complete character. Number two, the acting in this film was overall really well done. I already mentioned Boris Karlov as Frankenstein's monster, but Colin Clive as, Frankin- as Henry Frankenstein was equally as amazing. His entire demeanor would flip on a dime given the situation, and with just a look, you can tell what he was thinking. He was able to relay a lot of emotion just by, like, a look or, like, a simple, like, a word. It was very well done. He was a really good actor. And it's especially true during the climax of the film, which, speaking of the final confrontation between Frankenstein and his monster, is, in my opinion, one of the best scenes in cinematic history. The two battle inside a burning windmill and during this fight we really see exactly who these characters are. You've got the creator, Doc- Dr. Henry Frankenstein, who's an ambitious scientist whose overzealous nature causes him to lose sight of the world around him. And then you've got his monster who's burning to death and he appears to be a giant abomination of a man, composed of sto- the stolen remains of various corpses. But underneath that, there's just this scared child who doesn't know what's going on, and he's surrounded by a world that hates him. And it's such an amazing scene. Like you, the camera will go from, like, showing Frankenstein um, to showing the monster, um, just in such a such a well done way. And it's like you're you're seeing that they're they're they kind of gain an, like Frankenstein gains an understanding of his monster, and he realizes what he created. And you're really left asking, who was the real monster in this? Was it the giant zombie-esque thing, or was it the guy who created this um, childlike um, creature and then didn't take care of him and kind of
0: let the world destroy him? So there you have it. There's the, uh, the top and bottom. And you know what? One of the things we mentioned very little was uh, actually the dialogue of this film. So let's have ourselves a good old-fashioned quote, quote war where uh, Paul and I will quote this film back and forth and you tell us who had the best quotes. Um, so I'll get us started off with... Uh, who are you? You think I'm an idiot, don't you? Will you play with me?
1: No blood, no decay, just a few stitches.
0: Would you like one of my flowers?
1: now i know what
0: it feels like to be god to the house of frankenstein to the house of frankenstein that ends this episode's edition of quote wars if you have a favorite quote from this movie or anything else you want to say about the film leave it in the comments below i think it's time for us to take say our uh, final take on the film remember friends our final take is a score on our shot scale our shot scale is a reverse scale one to ten one being the best ten being the worst how many shots do you need to get through this film I gave it a solid 1 out of 10. I also gave it a 1 out of 10. So Frankenstein is truly a classic monster film which deserves to be in the light of cinema legend. It has a compelling story, fantastic lighting, wondrous special effects, for the time at least, and it packs it all in in under 71 minutes. Unlike Dracula, it actually does a fairly good job at giving a believable on-screen presence to a literary icon. And to that effect, Boris Karloff gives such a compelling performance using only facial cues and body language, which just allows one to connect emotionally to the monster. For all that is going on in it, there are a few shortcomings in the thought process, in the thought process of getting the brain and the missing scene of the monster accident killing Maria. you know, If this scene was placed back into the film, which I honestly can't remember if it's lost to time or not, it would make this truly one of the best films of all time. Indeed. So telling an old
1: story in a new way is a colossal task that many undertake, but very few succeed in. Creating an original story while staying true to the underlying themes and structure of the original is a difficult balance to maintain. However, the 1931 film adaptation of Frankenstein succeeds if, with flying colors and is possibly the greatest example of a re- reimagined classic story, told right The underlying themes of Mary Shelley's tale regarding whether scientific inquiry can go too far and what makes someone a monster are preserved and relayed brilliantly throughout this film, while also forming an identity of its own. It's because of this film that the depiction of Frankenstein's monster as a dead-eyed, flat-headed behemoth has become the default image of horror for generations. Frankenstein is a timeless tale warning us what happens to those who fly too close to the sun. And the 1931 film version more than lives up to its title.
0: So I just have to give one extra shout-out here, and that is to Frankenstein for inspiring one of the best TV sitcom fathers of all time, Herman Munster. I was thinking that who, as well. <laughs> Boris Karloff's depiction of Frankenstein is really the only monster who I could see translating like exactly as is from the original movie portrayal to who he is in the monsters. Oh yeah, I think it's amazing how like
1: the version that we see in the movie is what everyone thinks of uh, Frankenstein because it's that iconic. And in the the book, they describe it as being disfigured, but there's nothing about having a flat head or bolts in his neck or anything like that. There's, but this is so well done and. I think I think in the book version uh, version the monster is actually really smart. He was able to talk. He was able to reason, and he actually threatens uh, Doctor Frankenstein to make another one. But he chooses he obviously chooses not to. So it's it's really cool that the film really took on a life of its own and reinvented the character and the really invented reinvented the story
0: for a new age. Now enough about that this shit. We know not everyone likes to watch the same kind of movie that we do, so we like to give every B movie review an A movie companion. However, since this is one of the a ist movies of all, to hear one of those you'll have to listen into our regular podcast B Movie Bros, which you can find at bmoviebros.com on Twitter, on Facebook, or on iTunes. So, now I guess it's just time to tell you how to drink away the flick. Drink away the flick. Come on and grab your drink. Let's drink away the flick. Bum 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 bum. We'll give some drinking games for this film, but remember, friends, drink responsibly. Number one, every time someone uses the word crazy, take a drink. Number two, any time an electrical equipment is shown, take a drink. Number three, every time someone scares the monster, take a drink. And number four, whenever someone is referred to with a title such as Dr. Bairn, Herr, etc., take a drink.
1: Every time Elizabeth talks about her wedding, take a drink. Every time Fritz's name is mentioned, take a drink. Every time Frankenstein's monster groans, take a drink. And every time you see an outside view of
0: Frankenstein's castle, take a drink. And those are your ways to drink away this fleck. Well, we've reviewed one of the movies here for uh, Universal Monster Month, so uh, I guess we should rank that like we do our other months on our you know, regular show. So uh, in the number one spot for us is uh, Frankenstein.
1: Yeah, it was a pretty stiff competition, but you know...
0: Frankenstein overall won out and you know that, that might be a, uh, a good thing overall because some of the Universal Monster movies just don't quite hold up as well as Frankenstein Yep. so, so before
1: we go we just want to say thank you to our fellow podcasters for
0: letting us be part of this event and it's been a lot of fun so until next time friends we hope you join us on our podcast at some point B-Movie Bros and until then be brave, be alive and be back for more get on the next i